Hello and welcome to Actuarial People with myself, James Turner. I'm excited to be launching a brand new podcast where each week I'll be speaking with the UK actuary. My aim is to give you, the listener, greater insight into the people behind the profession and their personal career journeys. So we'll cover things like why and how they became an actuary, what they do on a day-to-day basis, how they balance work and study with life, any specialisms they've developed, and how their role has evolved over time. So whether you're an actuary yourself, or you're aspiring to become one in the future, welcome and enjoy. Please welcome to Actuarial People, Catherine Snape. Nice to be here. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Very well, very well. I never, I'm, I'm getting really conscious that at this point I usually look out the window and see what the weather's doing or, or I refer to school holidays and fireworks <laughs> and then it tells everybody when we're recording. So I'll, I'll try and avoid that <laughs> this time round. But um, <laughs> maybe I should just jump straight into, would you mind giving the listeners an overview of who you are, what you do today, and then we'll go back to the beginning and... Um, and explore things in more detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I'm Catherine. Um, I'm a, a pensions actuary. Um, I work at First Actuarial. Um, I've been working in pensions for about 17 years. <clears throat> so I joined First Actuarial um, about a year ago. Before then, I worked at KPMG and ISIA. Um, I'm largely trustee services based and I'm also a scheme actuary. So I've been a scheme actuary for about five years. Thank you. So we'll start where I always do, which is asking you to cast your mind back. Can you remember when you first discovered that actuaries existed? Um, Well, actually, um, my uncle is an actuary. So um, I, I suppose I've been aware that I guess it was a a job. I didn't really know what it entailed. And I think my my mum and dad didn't really know either. They just used to say it was something complicated around risk and modelling and, you know, very, very (laughs) messy and very techy. So I kind of, yeah, so I suppose I'd heard of the job but had really kind of no idea what it was until kind of much, much later when I was, you know, looking um, after uni and things, you know, looking for things I might do as a, as a maths graduate. Oh, fine. So you graduated first and then that's when you had to sit down and work out yes. what you wanted to do. Yeah. So um, my undergraduate degree, I did maths and French. Um, so I did kind of maths and languages. Um, and I kind of liked the two and, and kind of wasn't sure which, which way to go because um, I, I enjoyed them both. And then I kind of thought there's, you know, maths has you know, there's more kind of direct applications in, in kind of workforces and things. So I sort of decided to pursue the maths route. Um, I actually did a, a master's degree and then a um, an applied maths PhD because I think I thought I wanted to stay in, in academia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I so kind of did that for a number of years. And then I think by the end of my PhD, I decided I didn't want to be in academia and I just wanted... A, a kind of you know job out in the real world so I was just looking at sort of any jobs that that kind of were relevant for maths so obviously actuary was one of them but also I was looking at other kind of analyst type roles um, and I think the more I looked into actuarial work you know it did you know appeal to me um, but yeah I was applying for a mixture of actuarial and non-actuarial jobs and just happened to get an actuarial one first so sort of landed here I guess. 
And how did did your uncle work in pensions? Was that part of the reason you you went for pensions? Yeah, I think he did. So he's retired now, but um, yeah, he did he did work in pensions. Yeah, so whenever we meet up, he always asks me sort of what I'm doing now, and yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> nice nice being able to have that that kind of yeah chat in 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 the family. Yeah. Did you sort of seek out? Did you decide I'd like to be an actuary and I'd like to work in pensions, or did you apply for insurance roles, investment roles, everything? Yeah, it was probably a mixture to be honest. And I think the more the more I looked into it, um, I think the more I guess pensions is such a wide wide field. There's kind of lots of kind of actuarial and non actuarial aspects to pensions. Um, so I think that appealed to it. I think the consulting side appealed to to me as well. You know, going out and and talking to clients. Yeah. Um, it's not just the kind of technical number crunching. So yeah, so I think I was probably looking at everything, but but I guess pensions appealed to me for that reason. Yeah. Can you remember sort of your first few few weeks, few months in the role? How how was it sort of coming out of academia and and starting your first job? Yeah, it's um it was it was really interesting and I guess there's there's so much to learn. It's um it's obviously, you know, completely new. Um so I remember kind of doing my first couple of you know like actuarial calculations and I think back when I started we kind of did you know handwritten we do it all on spreadsheets now but it's kind of we used to kind of handwrite things and I remember kind of like my page of calculations and I kind of sent it off to the checker to look at and it came back and kind of almost every number was wrong (laughs) so it's um it's you know there's there's a big learning curve there's a you know a lot to take in and you always make you know loads of mistakes just because there's so many you know different things you're trying to to process but um yeah it was really good i was working with the team was relatively small at that time so i was also working with um so i'm based in leeds but i was working with a team over in manchester so got to build up relationships with you know a number of people in different offices quite quickly so that so that was really good and I'm, I'm still in touch with you know some of those people now and today so so it's, it was really good um and yeah just I guess you get thrown in at the deep end so you're kind of doing stuff from day one which which is really good and, and I think the best way to learn yeah fair enough and then once you started to sort of find your feet get a sense of what you were doing and, and that kind of thing what did you think about the job was it what you expected because I think a lot of people you had an advantage through your through your family I guess but a lot of people don't really know what the job is until after they start did it did it meet your expectations or was it a bit different um I think it did um I think you because I guess you're you're starting from scratch so I'd done maths I hadn't done an actuarial science degree so I had had sort of you know it was my first intro into the actuarial world and the sort of calculations we do so um all of that was new so you're kind of learning from day one, which I do like, you know, I've always enjoyed studying, um, you know, doing the exams as well. You've got a lot to focus on and, you know, a lot to tackle in your first couple of years with, yeah, kind of the the kind of job aspect and and the studying as well. Um, and it's also really varied. So, you know, we'd be doing some kind of actuarial, um, you know, work, but then also some wider consulting work. So kind of, you know, preparing meeting papers and and kind of just general general day to day queries on on pension schemes. So so it is it's you know always really varied what we do, and and I think that keeps it keeps it interesting. Yeah, 
How how did you find the exams? Did they come easy? Maybe the early ones that are more technical or yeah. So the exams, um, I didn't I didn't fail an exam for about three and a half years, I think which I felt like every exam sitting I came to, there was a bit more pressure because I'd not failed so far. Um, so I kind of got, I got quite far without failing. And then um, I failed one exam once and then I failed another exam twice. So I think, you know, I guess, I guess most people will fail one or two. Yeah, um, so I, it took about five years, which is, which is probably about, I don't know, about average. Um, and I think the first few exams are um, much more technical, much more maths and statistics. Um, so I think a lot of people find them kind of, you know, that that's kind of within their comfort zone, that's within their skill set. The later exams um, are a bit more wordy. Um, so I guess people with a kind of maths background sometimes struggle with those a bit more. Um, and so they're, they're the ones that I, I took a bit longer on. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I guess it is, it's a lot of work when you're kind of working as well. You do get study support from, from your employer, but, um, but yeah, you do have to kind of put in the hours and it, and it is, it is hard for kind of a, a kind of, you know, period of period of your early working career. Yeah. How many how many hours is it? Because obviously everyone gets, you know, roughly speaking, a day off a week in terms of study leave. But are you also sacrificing evenings, weekends, or does it vary by which paper you're sitting? Um, yeah. So it yeah. So you get typically, as you say, a day of study week um, from your employer. Um, I used to work kind of evenings as well and probably weekends. Um, I was quite I was quite strict in terms of. So the Institute, I don't know whether they still do, but they used to publish um, recommended numbers of study hours for each exam. Okay. So I used to try to kind of make sure I hit those um, yeah. <laughs> just, I guess, to give myself the best possible, you know, chance of passing each exam. Um, but, but everyone's different. You know, some people used to, um, you know, start a bit later and, you know, they might work evenings and have weekends off or vice versa. So, so everyone's different. But I think, I think generally speaking, you probably do need to do more than the kind of, yeah, kind of day a week that you get from, from your employer. So, so it is, it is a sacrifice and yeah, you do have to juggle, juggle things to some extent. Yeah. So in, in your sort of, during that period, if you qualified in, in, in five years, was getting qualified did that sort of rank highest in terms of what mo- your motivations were and where you wanted to be, or were there also certain aspects of the work that you wanted to progress in as well? Um, I think, I guess, yeah, I did. Obviously, you know, you want to get through the exams. It's it takes up a lot of time, and yeah, it's something you know you've you've set out to do, and you just want to do it. But I equally didn't want to sort of try and take them too quickly and rush them and risk you know it taking even longer so I kind of did them at a kind of reasonable pace but yeah I suppose at the same time you're kind of um you're kind of progressing in work as well and and the kind of you know some of the exams you do it sort of reflects that so the you know in the first couple of years of work you're typically you know doing all of the calculations and then passing them to someone else in the team to check and then as you get more familiar more comfortable with everything and you kind of you know know what's what you 
you start to kind of become the checker. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, you're you're checking someone else's work and and also, you know, training junior people. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it's good because I guess you feel like you're making progress and kind of you're seeing that progression in work and also sort of ticking off the exams as well. So they, they do go, you know, a bit hand in hand. Coming back to sort of obviously your maths backgrounds, what what is the level of sort of maths involved in pensions work? Is it very heavily maths based or is it you need to know a few things, but after a while you're sort of doing the same calculations or you've got spreadsheets to help? Um, how mathsy is it? Hi guys, we'll get straight back to the conversation in a second. Just a quick reminder that when I'm not recording podcasts, I specialise in helping pensions actuaries with their career moves. And I'd love to help you when the time comes to explore your options. I work with people at all levels, whether you have a couple of years experience through to senior positions. My approach is different to most recruiters. I started my own business last year and work alone, which means I have zero pressure to hit targets and can just focus on giving the best possible help and advice. So whether you're thinking of making a move now or would just like to understand your options for the future, please get in touch via LinkedIn or email james at turnerperkins.com. Back to the show. So a lot of a lot of people who who go into the actuarial profession um have degree level maths or um science degrees um you don't actually need a, a maths degree so i think you need maths a level i think that's the minimum requirement um in terms of the actual maths it's not as complicated as say some of the degree level maths i did it's it's kind of just different because it's actuarial maths and it's a lot a lot more there's a lot more you know statistics in there so and it, it is complicated but it's complicated in a different way if that if that makes sense so um yeah so i think i think if you've got kind of a, a maths a level um then you know you'd be well equipped to to be doing the exams and and i used to work with some people who had you know things like history or politics degrees so you know something completely different and you wouldn't necessarily think of that as a natural progression to to actuarial work, but but yeah, they you know kind of made that transition really well. Nice. And what about the consulting element? Obviously, you you knew going into it that part of the attraction of pensions was you liked the consulting bit. How early does that start coming in in terms of actually interacting with clients? Yeah, it kind of. I guess it depends on on. Um, partly kind of the organization you work for and also the the kind of client teams you're on um but i probably started going to meetings after kind of a couple of years but i probably was more going um i guess you know to maybe write the minutes or as you know for trading purposes i wasn't kind of doing a lot of presenting at those meetings but i think it's good to kind of get those opportunities early on just so that you can see how those meetings run and you can see um you know the more senior people delivering advice to the clients it's really good to get to get that experience do you remember your first couple of meetings how was it for you yeah i used to um it's obviously really nerve-wracking when you've not done it before um used to do yeah i guess a lot of prep kind of make sure i had my kind of you know points that i needed to raise you know but yeah i suppose kind of what was quite nice because I worked at KPMG and ICO for a long time I guess I had the same clients over a long period of time yeah. so that they kind of saw 
they kind of some of them used to say to me oh you came along and you know you just used to sit quietly you know a little actuarial trainee and <laughs> actually we saw you kind of develop over the years to kind of be our lead consultant so yeah um yeah so people used to comment on that you know that but it's um yeah it's one of those things that i guess just comes with experience and you kind of find your own way and yeah i used to have to you know do loads of prep and like pour over the papers and make my notes and things and and you get to the point where you just feel comfortable you know coming and and talking through it sort of on the day so so yeah I guess it just just develops over time and now are you taking junior people along to meetings with you and if so what advice do you give them when they're they're trying to learn yeah i think it's i think it's trying to get that experience as quickly as possible um what what i see quite a lot is people um, actually kind of you know pushing to go along and wanting to go along to meetings and starting to you know just deliver some of those papers so so I think that's really good and I'd really encourage that and yeah it's the sort of thing you only you only kind of learn through experience so so yeah so just just take every opportunity I think to do that. Were you in terms of the work you're doing were you doing a bit of everything some corporate work some trustee work and at what point did you st- well I don't know if you have have you started to develop a specialism did you start thinking about the direction you wanted to go in after a few years? Yeah, so I I kind of did um I did about 13 years at, at KPMG, so um got a very wide experience of trustee work, corporate work. Um I also did a lot of work in the public services. Um I also over the years have done a lot of um work on kind of member engagement and financial well-being so I've kind of done um you know seminars one-to-ones for for kind of members and employees on you know things ranging from pensions tax to to benefit changes so mm-hmm. I have done quite a wide range of things and I I do quite like that um it kind of I guess it gives you a good variety and I guess it's you know, if you're doing trustee and corporate work, it's it's good to see both sides. I think it gives you a bit of a bit of balance. Um, I have moved more to the kind of trustee side. Um, I don't think it was deliberate. I think it's just how things have happened, and I actually do really enjoy the the trustee side. Um, I quite like kind of working with the trustees to kind of you know manage the pension scheme and oversee all aspects of it not just the actuarial ones but you know governance and things like that so yeah so i kind of really really enjoy that um and obviously i've been a, a scheme actuary for a number of years now as well so i think scheme actuary is the natural progression when you're doing trustee work mm-hmm. um but yeah so so sort of more trustee now but still do do a mix of things yeah and if, if somebody's listening and they've only worked say on the trustee side they haven't done any corporate work how how is it different i guess i guess a lot of the work you're doing it's you know it's all it's all still actuarial work um if you're advising employers they will have i guess different aims they will be you know wanting to kind of manage costs so you you know i guess they've got a different set of priorities and a different set of objectives and it's just it's just thinking about that with employer work you don't always have the same amount of data that you do on the trustee side obviously the trustees have to hold all of their data for their members so yeah so it can be different but I guess a lot of the the calculations and things will all boil down to you know the same same Mm -hmm. actuarial work um so it's it's kind of 
it's yeah how you advise your client and and what they're trying to get out of this piece of work and what their objectives are that that kind of differs yeah and did you say you worked in the public sector space as well was that was that different again or was it pretty similar so i've done a lot of work um in the past with nhs trusts on on things like pensions tax and yeah sort of advising um schools trusts on on kind of pension strategy so that i guess that comes with different challenges because they've got you know kind of different budgets and things to manage so so that's that's quite interesting but yeah so i have done a lot of yeah in particular nhs and pensions tax work yeah what what is it about the job that you like the most what sort of gets you going um i think so i really like the variety of work we do um i also really like working with my clients and doing a good job for them um and yeah kind of when you're when you've got trustee clients, you know, you see them frequently at trustee meetings, you know, there might be two, three, four trustee meetings a year. So you build up those kind of really good relationships. And I think, yeah, I think just just helping my clients and doing a good job for them is is what, what I want to achieve and them to be to be happy with, you know, the service that I'm providing. Is there, are there any aspects that you that you don't like so much or that you, you prefer to do less of? Um, that's an interesting question. I can't, do you know, I can't, I can't think of anything. Um, nothing springs to mind, to be honest. Good. <laughs> that's probably the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when when did you become a scheme, actually? I, I, I guess I've, I've spoken with a lot of people about the exams when they get qualified but not so much about the actual path to becoming a scheme actually so I'm kind of interested in yeah what does that path look like how early in your career do you have to sort of start deciding okay I'd like to be a scheme actually and then how do you get there I mean obviously there's the application process and certain things you need to have done to 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 get your Mm -hmm. certification but what sort of things do people have to think about if they'd like to become a scheme actually in the future in terms of getting themselves in the right position to do so there's typically a requirement that you're a, a kind of actuary for you've you've been qualified for kind of three years before you'd make your before you'd become a scheme actuary. It might be possible to kind of do it quicker, but I guess that it probably ties in with sort of where you are in your in your career. Um, and I think so. The process used to be that um, you had to have had a kind of I suppose good amount of of exposure to to trustee work and to reserved work over kind of I think three of the past five years something like that so you'd have to have probably worked on you know three four five different trustee clients and have experience of you know doing actuarial valuations and and transfer value reviews and things like that and it's recently changed so that now the application process it's um, competency based so the institute will look at um, a number, like five different competencies, and you have to. Um, your application involves you kind of looking at when you've kind of met all of these different competencies through the work that you've done for your for your clients. Um, so there's you know competencies around um, knowledge and understanding, technical, um, leadership, and, and communication skills. So I think it's it's kind of about kind of yeah making sure that you you kind of can can say you know you've you've met that competency and this is how you've done it um 
So I think, yes, certainly, you know, reserved work for scheme actuaries, you know, you can support scheme actuaries and that can all help you to, you know, you can put that on your application form. You know, I've helped to deliver this advice with the scheme actuary. Um, and I think, I guess it's it's good to have a kind of a couple of, you know, trustee clients to so you've got that kind of breadth of experience and different types of schemes. So I think it's just it's just kind of looking at those competencies and, and making sure that that you can kind of meet them. How far back did you realise, yes, I'd like to be a schemetry? Is it something that you were working towards for a few years or you just realise actually I've, I've, I've got all the experience now and I'd like to go for it? Um, I think because I did do a lot of trustee work, um, I think, as I said, it, it does feel like it's the natural progression. I think when you're um, still quite junior, it, it feels quite scary being a scheme actuary. You know, it's, it's your name above the door you know, you're, you're certifying these things and it's, you know, there's, it's a kind of, you know, statutory role. So, so it, it is a bit daunting. Um, but as you, you know, progress in your career and you kind of, you know, work with, you know, more senior scheme actuaries, you know, you kind of learn from them and I guess over time you become more comfortable and then it, it feels that bit, bit less daunting and yeah, you think, yeah, you know, I feel like I should be, be a, you know applying for that now but I think yeah the application process it probably doesn't take long but I think it's just you know thinking through you know have I got that breadth of competency that I can you know so it might take a bit of planning you know you might think about it and you know plan to do it over the next year or so so that you can build up that experience to to put on your initial application. Yeah jumping ahead slightly early but you so you were at uh, KPMG slash Izio for how many years? Um so about 16, 15, 16 in total. 15, 16 yeah. years. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So I suppose two questions. What what kept you there for so long? Obviously, you know, we, we do see people move around um, more often than that. So mm-hmm. obviously a lot of things uh, going well. Um, but then also you, you then moved to another company a bit more recently. So I'm interested in sort of the reasons mm-hmm. behind behind that. But yeah, the first one first. What what kept you so long, KPMG, Izio? Um, I think the the breadth of work, the variety of work, um the team was really nice but i think it was i think it was you know yeah the 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 kind of variety of work um mm. i know that some organizations do have sort of separate teams for kind of trustee and and corporate work so you kind of do do one or the other and yeah. and kpmg and isio never took that approach you know it was kind of if you want to get involved in something you can do so i think that kept me there for a long time and yeah, yeah, the team was really good. It it kind of grew a lot over the period I was there. Um, so yeah, just didn't feel like I had, you know, good enough reason to move. What changed? So I think, I think obviously, cause it, I suppose I joined KPMG and then we became ICO. So I'd, I'd really never moved employers and I'd kind of, I suppose, thought about it in the back of my mind in the past, but never, never taken it any further. And I think, yeah, I think I just got to the point where, um, you know, felt like I'd like a change. I had um, some people I knew at work who worked at First Actuarial. Um, you know, I'd heard it was a, a really nice place to work. You know, people have, you know, been there a long time and not moved elsewhere, which I think says a lot. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think just just a change and something something a bit different. I think I just felt it was time. 
When you were sort of talking to First Actuarial about joining them, did you speak with a couple of other companies as well? And and if so, why was it First Actuarial that you decided to join? Um, so I didn't actually. Okay. Um, and it was because, um, so the reason I only spoke to First Actuarial was because I I knew some people there. I'd kind of always thought that if I was going to move, it might it would be somewhere I would consider. Um, and I think to go back to a point I made earlier, I think I know that some companies sort of split their teams up. So you would kind of go to the trustee team or you go to the corporate team. Um, and I I didn't want that. I knew that First Actuarial was similar to KPMG and Issio in that, um, you know, there's lots of different areas we work in and you can pick and choose what, what you want to go into. So I think I think it was, those were the reasons that, that I, um, yeah, just applied to first actuarial. How have you found it? How how is it? Was it different? Was it similar? Um, it's been really good. So the team is really good. So I mean, a lot of the work I'm doing is quite similar, which is is good, and I guess feels familiar. Um, you know, it's it's been really good getting some new clients and just getting up to speed on you know those schemes and building those new relationships. And yeah, the team I'm working with is really supportive it's everyone's you know really friendly and personable and everyone gets on really well the the leads office there's kind of over 100 of us so it's it's a really big team yeah um but there are no chargeable hours targets there are no profitability or billing targets either and so that it was it was very different for me because i've i've always grown up with that sort of financial overlay and that i've always had that but i think um at first actuarial there's much more of a focus on you know doing a good job doing it right and you know not putting that extra pressure on and actually if you know if we're all doing what we should and doing a good job we should all deliver kind of good results and actually you know the results are always very good so it's it's there's a there is a different focus definitely yeah really good really good atmosphere and um yeah really enjoying it how how did you feel having worked for somewhere else for so long actually making a move and you know walking away from clients and and that kind of thing was it was it scary or was it did it just feel right it 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 did feel strange because yeah having not worked anywhere else and i think i think i was just slightly apprehensive about having to to kind of pick up because everyone has their own systems so i think just things like that um there's a lot you know lot to kind of to kind of deal with when you first move um but yeah I think and I was I was really sad to to leave you know a lot of my colleagues you know I'd been there a long time so I was you know very good friends with some of them and I'm I'm still in touch with a lot of people um so it was sad um and I was I was also sad to to leave my clients as well because I'd, I'd built up you know good relationships with them but um I guess yeah new opportunities as well come up when when you you know move um so so kind of looked at that as well Cool. And are you still doing sort of a bit of everything, bit of trustee work, corporate work? What does your role look like today? Yeah, so I'm still kind of probably predominantly trustee work, um, do a little bit of corporate work. And I've also been involved in some of the the kind of um, financial well-being um, work as well. So over the summer, I was involved in a, a project um, for one of our large clients um, where every year um during their renewal window they get the offer of 
kind of one-to-ones they have they have kind of an amount of money that they can either put into pension or take as cash um so they have um they're offered one-to-one sessions to talk about the different options and you know you know what they might you know i guess the pros and cons of doing each thing so um so i guess still kind of keeping in keeping my finger in and doing those those kind of one-to-ones with members as well and um for one of my clients we've recently started doing um at retirement one-to-ones so when they come to retire they get offered um a session so i've been doing them which which is really good and i guess something a bit different um yeah because i guess we're dealing with all of these pension schemes and you know there's actually you know members at the end of it that that, that's what we're all doing the work for so so to be able to talk to them kind of gives you a different perspective and and yeah really interesting yeah it must be a lot of people have said one of the things they like about pensions is how close you feel to the members you're actually helping Mm -hmm. you know there's a real person at the end of every piece of work you do but actually to go out there Mm -hmm. and meet them and 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 help them out what's that like are you are you allowed to give them advice or is it more just here are the facts here are the pros and cons do with it what you will yeah so so yeah so we, we we can't give them advice um it's it's more guidance and kind of explaining um explaining their options and i suppose talking through the pros and cons and i think i've done a number of kind of um projects where i've gone out and talked to either members or employees over the years and what i found is a lot of the time they don't actually need advice they just need someone to explain it to them in in clear simple terms and when they've got a better understanding you know they know their circumstances better than i do so yeah when they've got all of that information um they can then i guess feel better equipped to make to make the decisions that are right for them so um so yeah just being able to help them with their with their understanding is 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 really rewarding are there any sort of common questions that the members ask you when you meet them in person um people so people generally i find just don't understand pensions <laughs> um so and and i i can understand why because it, it's it's really really complicated and then you know you've got the different types of pensions you've got defined benefit defined contribution so a lot of people yeah just just don't i guess understand you know how they operate and the different risks involved with each one um so yeah i think anything we can do to help kind of bring up that level of that level of knowledge and, and education in in pensions is is a good thing yeah um bit of a random question but the number of obviously i work in recruitment and the number of times i'll ask a pensions actually what their current pension contributions are to compare it to what they'll be getting in a new role and they have absolutely no idea um do you know i don't want to know what yours is but do you do you keep on top do you manage your own pension the same way you'd love yeah. these, these members to <laughs> or is it an afterthought yes i do yes okay. yeah that's good to um, hear. i think as well because i suppose because i did um uh phd and things i i started working slightly later than um I guess would ordinarily be the case. So mm. I was quite conscious as well that I'd kind of missed out on on a bit of pension saving. So um yeah. So so I I do keep on top of it and um yeah, well I mean I would like to retire at some point. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to 
trying to kind of manage it, yeah. <laughs> when I first started recruiting, so 2005, within my first week, I would have spoken to one person who was a bit unsure about, shall I stay in pensions? Don't know if there's going to be enough work in 10 years' time, that that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that never goes away. You see people sort of jumping into insurance just in case there's not enough work. But what what's your view on the future of pensions? What will pensions actually be doing in... 10, 15, 20 years time and you know should you be concerned if you're just going into the the pensions profession now? Yeah it's yeah as you say I think it's it's been on the on the agenda for for a number of years and um that you know there is still a huge number of of DB pension schemes out there um a lot of them are kind of looking to buy out but actually the buyout market you know, isn't big enough to take them all as it is, and it will take you know some time to get there. Um, there are you know things like GMP equalisation that we're all trying to tackle at the moment. Um, pensions dashboards that that the government is is pushing. So there's there's an incredible amount of work at the moment. Um, you know, I don't think it's going away. You know, some of that I look at the the kind of cash flow projections for some of my schemes and they you know extend to 20 um 80 20 90 in some cases so um i i don't think you know the work of db pensions actuaries is going to go away anytime soon and and then i think there's also all of the you know public sector schemes they still have defined benefit schemes so they'll still be you know work around into the future you know maybe more of us will work for insurers in the future if if a lot have moved to buy out I don't know but I think I think there will still be work out there but I also think that um the work we do as pensions actuaries um is very transferable you know we've got good communication skills good analytical skills and I think you know they would be desirable in in other industries as well so yeah so I don't think it's going away and yeah I think as long as there are kind of areas in the world where there is risk and uncertainty there'll be there'll be a need for for actuaries to be involved yeah um if someone is just starting now so they've just graduated they've got their first role in a in a pension consultancy what what advice would you would you give them to sort of make the most of their career i think i would say i guess you have to be prepared that it is it is quite hard to begin with particularly kind of you know getting up to speed with work and then juggling exams as well so so you do have to be prepared to you know make a few sacrifices and and put that you know time commitment in to to get your um your qualification um but i think i guess yeah take take the opportunities you can and i think focus on the things you like doing um so if there's if there's an area you're interested in you know explore it more um you know we we spend a lot of time at work and i think it's important that you do something that you like so yeah focus on focus on the areas that you enjoy i think yeah what what, what does it look like for graduates at the moment are they are they generally in the office apart from their study days are they encouraged to be in the office as much as possible obviously a couple of years ago they would have been stuck at home and and i imagine it's harder to learn and absorb but are they back in the office or are they sort of doing hybrid working yeah so so certainly at first actuarial our our graduates are um in the office um while they're not studying 
Um, just because I think, I suppose it's easier to ask questions. And I, I've heard feedback from when graduates were kind of fully home working that they felt like when they were sat at home on their own, they almost didn't want to ring people to ask questions. They felt like, you know, they were disturbing people. But actually, yeah. if you just sat next to someone, it's just easier to ask a question. So um, it is it is a bit strange now because when I was a graduate, there was everyone in the office and, and it's it's much more hybrid now. But there'll generally be, you know, some people in every day. Um, so so they'll kind of, I guess, get to meet, a, you know, the whole team over time. Then my final question is, what are you looking forward to in the next 12 months? And that could be work-wise, it could be personal, or it could be one of each. Um, so I think work-wise, um, I've been, so I've been at First Touch Trail now a year, which has absolutely flown by. <laughs> um, and I suppose when you when you first start, there's a bit of transition and getting up to speed with with kind of systems and, and kind of, you know, new clients and things. So I think in work over the next year, I'm probably, I guess, looking forward to just kind of, you know, developing my relationships with my new clients. Um, I've got some kind of GMP equalization projects coming up. I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to doing them, <laughs> but um, I know I'm going to have to do them at some point. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think I think just I guess yeah, developing on I suppose what I've done in my first year at first actuarial, and then outside of work, I suppose it's just over a year away. But I've actually booked to go on a cruise um, next Christmas. Uh. Um, so I've never gone away at Christmas before, no. but. Um, yeah, booked that just on a whim a few months ago. Nice. So I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> Is that going to be Christmas in the sun then? I've never done that before. <laughs> yes. So it was supposed to be, um, so it's a two-week cruise and it was supposed to be going around Spain, but now they're doing a bit of Spain and going down to the Canaries as well. Okay. So it'll be, it'll be yeah, quite a, quite a warm one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. So it'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kefis, thank you so much for your time. It's been really, I mean, we we, we didn't know each other until uh, until we'd been in touch just about the podcast and it's been really good to sort of get a feel for your your career. So thanks very much for, for sharing. Um, if anybody's listening and they'd like to get in touch and ask you a couple of questions, are you happy for them to do that? And, and what's the best way for them to contact you if so? Um, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's fine. Um, probably just drop me a message on LinkedIn. That'll be fine and I'll pick that up. Sure. I'll put a link to your profile in the in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Well, um, yeah, all that remains to, to say is a huge thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure and uh, I wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Actuarial People. Please don't forget to subscribe and consider leaving a review. If you have any questions or feedback or any suggestions for future guests, please contact me on info at actuarialpeople.com. This podcast is sponsored by my recruitment company, Turner Perkins, and you can contact me there at james.turner at turnerperkins.com. Hope to see you again. <laughs>